Boom! Good morning, good morning. On today's podcast, I have special guest, Yaron Courthout. Yaron is a co-founder and CEO of Salesflare, an intelligent CRM built for small businesses selling B2B, most popular with agencies and SaaS companies. Salesflare itself was founded when Yaron and his co-founder, Levine, wanted to manage their leads for their software company in an easier way. They didn't like to keep track of them manually and built Salesflare, which pulls customer data together automatically. It's now the most popular CRM on Product Hunt and top-rated on review platforms like G2 for its ease of use and automation features. Have a listen. Have you ever had negative thoughts in your mind that you aren't good enough, that you'll never be successful? If so, you're not alone. I've had those thoughts playing in my mind ever since I took the leap to become an entrepreneur. It's a dirty, dark secret that no one likes to talk about as the glamorization of becoming an entrepreneur is shown in the media. I realized that in order to succeed, I needed help. We all do. So I decided to go all in on myself, spending thousands of hours in the trenches, reading, joining groups, listening to podcasts, hiring coaches to develop a bulletproof morning routine for success. Join me on my journey as together, we build our morning fire to ignite our lives as entrepreneurs. My name is Jeff Wickersham, and this is the Morning Fire for Entrepreneurs podcast. Welcome to the Morning Fire for Entrepreneurs podcast. Extremely excited to have Yarun on the show. Yarun, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Awesome. All right, so let's get uh, let's get into the state. Let's do a little priming exercise to get us going. Let's breathe in through the belly, up through the chest. We'll raise our hands. Go ahead, breathe in and out. Good. Another breath in. And out, final breath in, and out, all right, I'm going to count down, three, two, one, we're going to yell boom, get the energy level up in three, two, one, and boom, there you go, thank you, thank you for playing along, I appreciate it, so I eat, sleep, and breathe morning habits, rituals, routines, I think they are, without a shadow of a doubt, the foundation for success, so Yarun, what do you do in the morning to kind of steer you down that path towards success? Uh, first thing I do is uh, some 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 hard stuff between uh, air quotes. Uh, it's uh, I I just get get up straight out of bed when my alarm rings. Uh, it's a really bad habit to stay. I mean, I'm not judging anybody here, but staying in bed for me doesn't work. Uh, like when you're, you're snoozing and all that, I feel really bad afterwards. So I just my alarm goes off, which is on on my watch. Uh, I get up straight. And then I put on uh, either my running clothes uh, because one in two days uh, I go running, um, or I go for a workout, which is basically currently it's it's a, it's a bunch of sit-ups and push-ups. Uh, both are uh, quite hard, so it it puts me over. I, I don't know how to say it. It sort of puts me over that edge there. It really makes me start uh, the day with some energy, uh, and after that things are are way simpler. I love, I love how you said, you know, snooze doesn't work for you. Right. And, and I feel like that is the first opportunity for us to get a win in the day when you yeah. actually get up for your, for your alarm clock, you don't hit the snooze button, you start moving, you've won that that's your first win. And then I, I love the exercise piece. I think physicality and movement with the body is just so vital to energy and, and, youthfulness and and you don't have any equipment you're running sit-ups and push-ups so if you're listening to this episode 
you don't need expensive equipment to get moving, get that energy level up. So, so love, love both of those. So Yarun, would love to hear a little bit more about your, your entrepreneurial story, how you started, where you're at now and, and share some, some lessons learned along the way with the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, tried a bunch of stuff before, uh, starting Salesflare. Uh, I think, uh, the first time I could be classified as entrepreneurial um, after some childhood stuff uh, is when I started building websites when I was 15, 16 or so. I built websites for some people. I got rewarded for that. That was the first time that I actually felt like uh, uh, I sort of was an entrepreneur. Uh, after that, I, um, I, I was really excited by cell phones. So I started buying some mainly. I'm in Belgium. Uh, mainly in the UK and in Germany, resell them in Belgium, uh, made some money with that off the, off the difference. Uh, I would try to buy them cheap and sell them expensive. You get the, the idea. Right. Uh, I continued that while I was a student. Um, it started becoming more of a hobby in the sense that uh, it, it made that I, I always had the latest cell phone, which was a lot of uh, fun for me. Uh, plus, I made a little bit of money, uh, which was good. Um, then actually i didn't start off my career as an entrepreneur um i just didn't believe in myself enough i guess okay um i didn't feel i had the experience um plus i i i never uh, seemed to come up with the perfect idea uh which is something you always expect as an entrepreneur like one day i'm going to have this amazing idea and it's going to take over the world um so actually i studied engineering Okay. Uh, then I, I didn't really feel like taking an engineering job uh, somewhere in a back room, um, designing something or so. I also want to do that with customers uh, and nobody wanted to give me a job like that. So in the end, out of frustration, I applied for business school. I got in, I did business school for a year and then uh, started in a marketing job. Um, so from engineering through business school, I was able to make that jump. Um, I did that with the intention of um, sort of learning how it is to put a product in the market. Okay. Um, it was uh, in a pharma company because I studied biomedical engineering. Um, and I quickly found out that it, it wasn't at all like having your own company. My uh, responsibilities were extremely limited. Uh, I could basically make some brochures, uh, set up a website or something. But what had to be on there and everything was already defined for me. So I, I had absolutely no uh, decision power. Gotcha. And um, I then joined uh, the consulting world uh, for a while. I actually combining uh, my uh, pharma marketing experience uh, for 10 months uh, but, and uh, my experience uh, building websites and digital marketing. Um, I actually joined those and, and, and um, I, I went into a consulting that helps pharma companies to adjust to the digital world. Uh, so initially it was a lot about building websites. Then it was about doing full campaigns where we'd, we would uh, replace the whole sales force of a pharma company with, uh, with a digital campaign. And then uh, now that I'm gone, they actually morphed the company into a, more of a data company uh, where they sell all kinds of data about how doctors respond to certain channels and, and all that. Um, anyway, I did that for four years as an account manager, which is where I actually learned uh, a lot of entrepreneurial skills okay. because I would uh, find customers. I would find out what their issues were. I would make proposals, budgets, project plans, make sure people delivered. 
uh, even that some for some customers make make sure that the invoice got paid. Uh, so the whole thing, uh, which was a great experience, um, and I could do it without uh, taking a lot of risk, uh, which I'm extremely grateful for. But then during that time, I started going uh, part time, um, and I started different startup projects. I think we don't have time to go into all of them. Uh, in the end, after like this and that, uh, landing on Salesflare, uh, it all started um, when when a guy that I met when I was working on another company um, calls me one day and he says, we still need a sales guy. Uh, we're going to a big IBM conference in Vegas. Uh, do you want to join? And I'm like, sure. I mean, I could take a week off, go to Vegas. Um, and we had a lot of leads at that conference for our software. And okay. we needed a good way to then get these interested leads to buying from us because there's a whole sales process in between. And we didn't find any software that, uh, that worked for us in the sense that uh, there was a lot of uh, nice software built for it, beautifully designed and all that. Uh, with all the uh, quote-unquote requirements uh, would fit to follow up sales. But we never managed to keep using it uh, because it always required a lot of data inputs. The, the, the expectations that the software put on us uh, in terms of um, the amount of data we had to put in to make the system work were always so high. Uh, okay. And at some point, we, we always stopped. Um, and that, that's when we figured like, why is all of that not automated? Because all of the data we're inputting here to make a sales follow-up system work is actually already digital somewhere. Well, most gotcha. of it. Um, and that's when we got the idea for Salesflare, which is a, a system that, well, you, you guessed it, uh, pulls it all together for you and then, uh, make sure you can, uh, follow up your sales in a better way consistently. Gotcha. And, and that leads into kind of the, the, the first question I want to ask, you know, being successful in sales, right? How, how do you, how do you get more apt into that sales mode and, and how do you translate that into more success? Do you have a couple strategies you can share? I think in the end, it's all about uh, two very, very simple things. Uh, well, I mean, if, if you're an entrepreneur and you feel like I'm not great at sales and there's all these slick salespeople out there, uh, they can talk anyone into into anything. Uh, then you're probably sort of missing the point. One, uh, the one thing you need to be good at, uh, the first one, uh, is empathy. It's just taking some time uh, to discover with each prospect uh, what it is they want, what is stopping them from getting it, what the context around it is, who else decides on stuff, what these people think, you know understand the whole situation, what their barriers are, um, and, and, and what the next step is you have to take with them. It's very simple, but if you uh, nail that, and I'm, I'm going to tell you what the opposite is, the opposite thing is a salesperson that takes you on a call, uh, doesn't ask you any questions, starts running through a presentation that you're not at all interested in, uh, and then at the end says, well, you, you still have any questions or something? Uh, shall I send you the quote? And that, that everybody is sort of annoyed by that. Uh, it, it doesn't work. It's really about uh, being a human being, imagining that person is a friend, uh, trying to understand them very well before you 
uh, sort of take them on a journey. Um, that's the essence of, of uh, doing it with one person. It's basically understanding that whole thing and then taking them step by step to, um, to getting the solution, let's say. But uh, uh, a great salesperson also needs to have another skill because this is with one person, but you're not going to sell to one person. You're going to sell to tens, maybe hundreds. And then you need organizational skills as well. Okay. Uh, you need to be able to scale this process with this one person to many people. Uh, so it's a matter of really tracking things well. Uh, it's a matter of setting up your processes in the right way, making them repeatable, uh, and making sure that uh, whatever happens, no lead will slip to the crack so you won't forget anything. Um, that's, that's the other part. And there's probably some more work uh, on that end. Uh, but if you if you can combine these two things, I think you can be a very successful salesperson. Now the issue is that uh, like the the natural salesperson is is usually uh, maybe great at empathy uh, or is a good talker, uh, something like that. But is usually not uh, not very good at um, at organizing themselves. So that's that's a uh, for, for, for most salespeople, uh, that's where the room for improvement is. Gotcha. Okay. So empathy sounded like being a good listener, right? Understanding yeah. what the pain points as well as being a good question asker, right? Being able to ask questions and, and dig out information to, to really understand where they're at, where they want to go, those roadblocks they might, might need to have as well as decision makers involved in, in the process and then organization on the back end to make sure Hey, those conversations that you have, if there is a follow-up needed in the future, you got to make sure that that is in a place that's readily available so it doesn't slip through the cracks. And that 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 drives Definitely. me to the, to the next question of, you know, why do people not use CRMs and how do, how do we fix that? Well, uh, there's a few reasons why they don't use them. Uh, reason number one is they got... They got it for the wrong reasons or they don't know why they got a crm <laughs> they just uh somebody said well i mean you're not professional if you don't get a crm and let's just get one um but the first thing is is to figure out why you need one it and it can be wildly different uh for instance if you're an e-commerce business it's probably a, around repeat sales uh, knowing who ordered what and what else you can make them buy uh, if you're um, a real estate business, it's really about cultivating these relationships, knowing who to contact when when you have something up for sale. Uh, when you're in B2B sales, it's usually uh, what we're discussing now. Uh, it's really um, more getting people through that whole B2B sales process, uh, which is a bit more complex. And, and, and that's where then usually the... The difficulty lies very often you're not selling to them repeatedly it it, it is possible um which is also another difference it might be more for you about uh sales or it might be a bit more about account management you need to figure out these things because different crm systems are built for different purposes um and if you figure out what it is you need it for then you can also uh immediately go look for the right one now this narrows down your set because if you would go look on, on G2 or so, there's there's probably 700 CRMs or so. <laughs> so there's a whole lot of them out there. If you type in Google, you're going to get a lot of top 10 lists um, and the, the best ones. 
just uh, for the listeners, uh, if you if you are in these lists, they're not necessarily the best ones. They're just the ones who paid to be in the lists. Uh, that's that's more how it works. So don't just go on that. Then uh, step number two is if you have a sales team to also really involve that sales team. If you're the sales team, fine. I mean, you can figure out what's best for you. But if you have people working for or with you, uh, it's good to make the decision together because your uh, success is going to stand or fall um, with whether they use it or not. And if you don't involve them, first of all, you're not so sure that they actually feel like they're going to use it. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, you also don't have as much buy-in. You didn't make the decision together. You're just imposing something and they're like, mm, okay. Uh, so involve them. It makes a whole lot of difference. Uh, and then three um, is a lot of people just think like we have a CRM. We understand how it works. That's it. So you 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 get in front of your salespeople. You give them a training like, this is what the thing does and go. Some people don't even do that. But I would always advise to take one extra step and it's deciding how you want to use the system together. Okay. Uh, because the CRM really becomes useful on a team level um, if you all use it in a similar way. I would, I'm going to say the same way. <laughs> um, but then uh, it, it can be, become a communication system because you know what each piece of data means. You know that if, if your colleague has filled it out like that, it means that. Um, if your colleague just fills something out and you have no idea why you did that, then it, it's, not a, it's not a way of communicating with each other. Uh, secondly, um, your, your data will be a mess. I mean, it will not be uniform. You cannot right. segment on it. You cannot make a list even simply for an email newsletter or whatever. Uh, it will not be possible. Uh, or people interested in something. You cannot say these people are interested in that. Or, um, so it's really important to, to take that extra step as well. Again, sit together as a team. So actually two of the steps are about doing as a team. Um, and uh, and then you're probably ahead of 99% of other companies who try to implement the CRM because it's really, really essential. Gotcha. So understanding your purpose of, of why you're going to use the, the CRM, that, that's so vital. Getting buy-in from the sales team if you have a sales team, so they're going to adopt and then mm-hmm. making sure that, that they all leverage it to, to its fullest in a similar way. So communication channels can be, uh, can be open from, from that perspective. Awesome. Love it. Love it. As far as, and, and follow-up is so key, right? That, that follow-up and so many people have the initial conversation and then the follow-up is missed down the road and you miss opportunities oh, yeah. that you spent maybe resources, time, money, getting a conversation with somebody, but then there's never the follow-up and, and you're just, you're basically throwing money and time out the door because you don't have that process behind the scenes. Yeah. As a, as a startup founder, I have, I have many salespeople contacting me and trying to sell stuff every day. Uh, top of my head, there's only two salespeople and they really stand out uh, that follow up, follow me up consistently that know what they've last sent me or asked me or, and uh, I really admire those people. They're 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 super. They're both women, actually. Uh, they're very very well organized. They have a lot of empathy. It's a, it's the skills I discussed earlier uh, that really makes them stand out uh, above all the others because you want to feel like you're you're respected and people want to uh, get get the best for you. And um, yeah, 
Yeah, you you want to feel heard, right? That that's yeah. such a vital vital piece to the uh, to the process. So, I, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about how to automate sales, but be more human in the process. Explain that that to me a little bit. Yeah, um, a lot of people think well, automation cool. I mean, we're going to have a lot more productivity because, uh, for instance, we're going to set up this automated campaign and it's going to send out all these kind of messages uh and then uh we don't have to do it anymore that's that's great um but you always need to make sure that you you actually become more human instead of less human because what most people do and we all know the spam we get every day or all the the pointless messages we get that are quote-unquote personalized and all that um many of those are sent to us uh, for weird reasons. We don't know why. Uh, there are messages that we read and we think like, did the person on the other end really think that this would trigger us? Why am I receiving this? Like I, I have a podcast myself and I often have, uh, have people prospecting for podcast guests and they say, well, we have this awesome entrepreneur here uh, in the, he, he, he does masks for, for COVID. I don't know. Right. Uh, and I have, a, I have a podcast on which I interview uh, SaaS founders. So there's a, a very essential step there, uh, which is qualification uh, that went wrong there. Um, so I would always think about if, 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 if we're automating this, um, does it make sense to the other person still? If it does, it is a win because you're sort of as human to the other person. But on your end... Um, there is this sort of routine work that you can automate away, which makes that you can focus more on other stuff, uh, which are which which more require sort of your uh, human sense uh, as a salesperson. Like, if 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 you're like this seems like robot work, and then you can give it to the robots, and and, and that makes that you as a salesperson that can focus more on understanding your customers, applying that empathy and all that. Um, and to figure that out, it's often good to start doing things manually. Um, okay. So, for instance, uh, you're thinking of uh, of reaching out to a lot of people. Uh, first, do it manually. Uh, take every person one by one. Check them out. Uh, think about what would trigger them. Send them an email, personal one, um, and then and then take the next person. Do that again. And if at some point you're like wow, I feel like I know now how that works. And I have a, a sort of routine there, which is a bit uniform, slightly personalized, perhaps. Right. Then you can think like, okay, I can, I can turn this into an automation because it doesn't make sense that I, I do the same thing with every person over and over again. But you can only start noticing that when, you, when you've actually done it. And, a lot, and also uh, a second advantage is... Um, if you automate something from the start, it's very hard to imagine that person on the other end as a human being. Uh, it will very quickly turn into numbers, uh, some abstract entity. Uh, while when you're doing it one one on one first, uh, then then you can actually imagine. Well, I'm sending it now to Jeff, so uh, Jeff likes this kind of stuff, so I'm going to send this. Uh, you, you know, you feel more like human to human. Right. Uh, and that helps you tremendously. And then when you when you when you scale the thing, to still keep that connection. Gotcha. So 
really doing it manually to begin because you're going to get that experience and, and you're going to go through that pre-qualification process, digging to make sure it's the right audience that's going to receive the message and then yeah. when you get, get feedback that it's successful, then looking at the process overall and picking pieces that you could automate while still feeling that that very personal touch in uh, in the process. Good. Awesome. Love that. Tell us a little bit about uh, about Salesflare for, for the audience. Yeah. So, so like I said, we, we started Salesflare because we didn't find any system that we could keep working with. Uh, they would all require a lot of manual data input uh, for us to, to, to make it work. Uh, and we saw that uh, most of the data that we we're putting in was already in our emails. It was in company databases. Uh, in emails, there's, there's things like uh, the names and the email addresses and the email signatures with a lot of data. Uh, there's stuff in, you, in you, your calendar, uh, meetings, who's on the meetings, when, uh, descriptions, uh, maybe a, a StreamYard link even, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, there's calls in your phone, uh, there's stuff on social media. And we saw a system that pulls all that stuff together, organizes it, combines it, offers it to you. Uh, and then in that way, you, you don't have to keep doing your data put all the time. You just say like, okay, this, this company, I want to follow them up. Yes, those are the people I know there indeed. Uh, the data is there. The timeline fills up. It tracks files you exchange, all this kind of stuff. Um, and then that enables you uh, to take that extra step and follow up better at scale. Okay. Uh, that's something we uh, started building seven years ago. Um, well, a bit more than seven years ago already. And uh, still building that out. We now have, uh, I think, a bit about, uh, over uh, 2,000 companies actively using the software. It's mainly um, agencies, uh, like digital marketing agencies and software development companies and, all, and consultancies, and, uh, and a lot of tech companies as well. So startups, telcos, uh, other kinds of uh, SaaS companies like us. So use uh, Salesforce. Awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that for the uh, for the audience sake. Where can uh, where can people find you? Where can they find more information about Salesflare? Um, Salesflare uh, easiest is salesflare.com and Flare is F L A R E. Uh, you can read about the software. You can check out our blog with all of uh, sales related content. Uh, checking out the software is actually you. Uh, well, at the moment you just well the experiment might end by the time this goes live. Uh, but at the moment, you can just check out the software. It's tried for free. You don't even have to connect to your emails. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, uh, the easiest place is LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you'll find uh, my name on the episode. It's uh, Jeroen Korthout. Uh, there's only one person with that name. So just send me a connection request if you want to if you want to talk. But include a personal message. Um, otherwise, I have no idea why you're contacting me. I will assume spam. But if you include a personal message, I'll certainly connect with you and we can have a chat. Awesome. Appreciate it, Jeroen. You're welcome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for watching. Have an amazing rest of your day. Rise, fight, love, repeat. Get after it, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Morning Fire for Entrepreneurs podcast. You now have the knowledge, but without action, knowledge is useless. Choose to act. Choose to step into your greatness and unlock that hero inside of you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review so more entrepreneurs can hear this message. If you absolutely love this podcast, which I hope you do, then share it up with someone you know who might see benefit from it. Become that beacon of change and together 
we can impact the world.